This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Mike Missanelli Podcast Friday. We're wrapping up the week with some important stuff. It's November 3rd. We're in the month of November already. I can't even believe it. I, I it was Summer just passed, for crying out loud. We're in November. Uh, the Eagles are 7-1, and one, and the Cowboys are 4-2. and two. This podcast, of course, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Coming up a little later, we'll have our picks of the week. We'll also have Mike Unleashed, three questions for Mikey Miss. Uh, but first, let's get into what we call at the top of the podcast, the current all right, you know what the current is this week. It is Dallas Cowboy Week. Now, I'm, I have a rather unorthodox way of looking at the Cowboys-Eagles rivalry. I know people here are gacked up about it, and it's uh, you know labeled Dallas Week. And I've always had the opinion that we give Dallas too much credit for being our rival. Um, they haven't been a rival in a really long time. They haven't really been successful. The Eagles have been more successful than the Cowboys. So it almost seems like... I am on a mission to try to get this city out of this underdog mindset where we're, we're, we're always inferior to the other. And that's what, what, what this thing does for me. It's like, oh, Dallas, we're obsessed with Dallas. And we shouldn't be obsessed with Dallas. They should be obsessed with us, but they're not. They're, and it has to work both ways. Like They have to be obsessed with us for us to be obsessed with them. And then you got a rivalry. They're not really obsessed with the Eagles. They, the, you know, they're more of a rivalry with, with the with the Commanders or the Giants or whatever it is. So I always think we're feeding into their ego when we go. We get obsessed. Well, oh, we got to beat Dallas. Oh, we, we can lose every game as long as we beat Dallas, which is BS. Let's face it. Right? You, you don't want to lose every game and beat Dallas. It's going to be satisfactory for crying out loud. Let's be realistic with ourselves. So I, I always think we give them too much credit. So I don't buy into the I hate Dallas thing. And, and I know everybody does. And, and what I'm trying to say, I guess, is if you don't feed into it, you reduce them as an important entity because we make them more important than they really deserve to be. And we get obsessed with the Jerry Joneses and the Dak Prescotts and, uh, and, and all the nonsense that is going on year after year after year. So listen, I, I respect. That's the way you feel. It makes you feel better about your sporting interests. I get it. It doesn't affect me that way. It, it only affects me on, on the mano-a-mano game or two games each season. And so I examine it that way, that they're an opponent, and they're one of the better opponents in the league. They're one of the better opponents in the NFC. So naturally, you're going to have to beat them at least once. I get it. So let's look at the first matchup against... The Dallas Cowboys. Um, it's a very interesting matchup in that the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles is hobbled. And um, it became a big deal this week. I know our, our good friend Mike Sealski asked a question rather sheepishly. It, listen, it's a legitimate question to ask a guy who's hobbling around on a knee 
whether his knee is feeling any better. Now, he can answer that in a variety of ways. He can answer like he normally answers stuff, which is, no, it's not a, it's not a big deal. I'm, I'm out there playing every week, blah, blah, blah. But instead, he he made it like like this axe to grind with the media. And now people go, oh, this media. And you know what that does to fans? It lights fans up because they hate the media anyway, right? So they go, oh, they're picking on our quarterback. Well, it's a legitimate question to try to get information for you. Now, he doesn't have to answer the question, but he also doesn't have to get up and storm out, right? I, I don't understand the silliness of that. I get that he doesn't want to give the other team an advantage by saying, you know what, my knees are really busted and hurting. It's, it's it's all messed up. I, you can't do that. But you can say, no, it's not a big deal. I you know I I'm, I'm still going to go out there and play and, and best my ability. You, you can say something like that. But anyway, it does affect the game in a way that Dallas is going to prepare. Whatever he says is irrelevant. They can see the tape. They can see last week where he was reluctant to run. They can see where when he does run, he's running sheepishly. So obviously they know what's going on and. They may have to tailor their defensive game plan around that. And it is a problem for the Eagles if he can't be really efficient in the pocket and he can't also break out of there and scramble for big yardage. So it's a, it's a disadvantage for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, let's get into the statistics of this because the Eagles are running into a hot quarterback. Whatever you want to say about Dak Prescott, I understand that he's so up and down. But uh, this he's, he's got a 71% completion rate this year which is second in the league. And he's got some really good receivers and CeeDee Lamb and Gallup and Cooks and the tight end Jake Ferguson's kind of come out of nowhere for the Cowboys. So, uh, and he's got Pollard out of the backfield to catch the ball. Now, now it, neither team in the last couple of, de- of, of weeks has been able to get their running attack going, okay? So I, I believe this is going to be a, a passing attack. And, uh, and one of the problems the Eagles are going to have, I don't know if it's a problem, but they're going to have a substitution at right guard. So Tyler Steen is going to play right guard. Uh, Jurgens is still out, and uh, I, I guess they didn't uh, like uh, the other guy and, and what his his efficiency was. So he's out. Steen's going to be in. Parsons this year is you know he's a menace like he always is. He's got six sacks, he got fourteen quarterback hits. All right, so let's look at the tail of the two quarterbacks because both of them are coming in with hot hands. Dak, of course, we just told you about the completion percentage last week as they obliterated the Rams, three hundred four four touchdowns his rating is 133.7 so that's pretty lofty hurts on the other hand 319 4 tds 135.7 rate last week so two hot quarterbacks without jalen hurts being able to run does that from the pocket because he's got all world receivers uh and aj brown of course set the nfl record last week his sixth game with 125 yards or more an nfl record he's unstoppable the guy is unstoppable but this goes against a Dallas secondary that is playing amongst the best in the league. Let's look at it. Deron Bland will play the right corner. Uh, Stephon Gilmore plays the left corner. Bland has four interceptions, three of them for touchdowns already. The secondary uh, versus wide receivers, they hold them to a 23.0 rate. That's first in the league. And, of course, last week they held the Kua and, and Cup down. Um, but Dallas stinks against the tight end. So, obviously, you're going to have to count on them getting the ball to A.J. Brown. I don't care what the numbers say about Dallas' secondary. A.J. Brown's going to bust them. Uh, the tight ends, Dallas has a, a 30th in the league rating against tight ends. Hello? 
Offensive coordinator Brian Johnson, this might be a time to get Dallas Goddard 10-plus targets. Um, so the Cowboys D, holding quarterbacks to a 46.7 completion rate. This this is a, like a, a, a back-and-forth type of battle here. I can give you a strength and a weakness and a weakness and a strength. The 46.7 completion rate for quarterbacks the Dallas Cowboys have, f- have furnished is first in the league. They also blitz 37.2% of the time, sixth in the league. With an immobile quarterback, how does that fare? He had some time last week to sit in the pocket, throw the ball down the field to A.J. Brown and to Devontae Smith. Will he have that kind of time this week against that kind of blitz rate? Blitz rate. Blitz rate. Um, pressure has affected Hurts. Didn't really affect him last week. So uh, with all that said, Let's bring in Darren. Darren, it's it's a taffy pull. It's a back and forth. It's a push and pull type of situation for the Cowboys and the Eagles. Uh, when you look at the analytics and you look at the numbers defensively and offensively, so how do you see it? Yeah, I don't see it. I see it very differently than you. I, You know, this is a game – well, not very differently, but this is a game where you have to pound the ball, run the ball. Dallas's defense is very good at making – Big plays. They make splash plays. Dan Quinn's a really good defensive coordinator. His guys are usually in position to make a big play. You eliminate that by running the ball, run right at Micah. I really, I would run right at Micah Parsons as much as possible because I'll take our offensive line beating up their defensive line all day long. It's a simple game plan for me. You got to run the ball. And, yeah, Dak's playing well. And that's another reason to run the ball. Keep keep him on the sideline. Control the game at the line of scrimmage, which is what the Eagles are the best in football at doing. Run the ball. Run it all day long. And it protects your quarterback, who is hobbling a bit. Maybe it's just a, a, a knee bruise, and that's fine. You still don't want to have – it's a ferocious pass rush that they have when they blitz. Let's keep them protected a little bit, and let's control the game on the ground. Big DeAndre Swift game, I think. Didn't really use him a lot last week. Maybe that was the plan to keep him – kind of save him for, t- for Sunday. It's certainly possible. I think you're going to see a lot of Swift oh. early and often. They ran the ball 16 times with Swift which last week which is really his max. So uh, they didn't seem to be very successful running the ball, and they didn't commit to it. Now, uh, uh, the Eagles, let's face it, right now, depth-wise, running the football are not good because Kenneth Gainwell really has been useless, and they they are reluctant for whatever reason to use Boston Scott, and Rashard Penny is in in mothballs. So uh, uh, are you suggesting – that you run the Swift 20-plus times in this game? Yes, I would. I would give him up to like 23, 24 carries. I think that is the recipe for a win on Sunday. And you're yeah, right about yeah, Gainwell. I, They're just I do not I agree with that at all because okay. I don't think he's capable of carrying the ball 25 times. And I think that you're you're then trying to squeeze juice out of a, a kid that, that you shouldn't be squeezing juice out of. I don't think he's a 25-carry guy. Uh, so I, I, and I don't think they think he is either. So if they're going to run the ball 25 times, they're going to have to get some carries from other dudes. The question I have for you is with the game well being inefficient, they seem to love themselves from game. Well, I don't understand it. 
but do you think Boston Scott gets some carries this week because of what they're seeing with Gainwell? I, yeah, I would like to see Boston Scott get more carries. I think he's the most underused player on the roster. He almost always gets positive yards. He's a good runner. The thing with Boston Scott, though, is he's not really regarded as a pass catcher. And they like their backs to be multidimensional, which is understandable with the way they run, with the way the offense is run. So I think that's the reason you don't see a lot of Boston Scott, because he's more of a pure runner. But, yeah, I would love to see Boston Scott get some carries on Sunday. All right. So there you go with the Eagles and the Cowboys. Um, now people are saying, okay, well, then what is your prediction for this game? Um, the line is a scant three. I'm afraid of it. I- I'm afraid of this game. I actually think that the Cowboys win this game. And that means the Eagles will have to beat them down there, which is perfectly fine. And they're certainly capable of doing it. I don't know if the climb is great for them right now to beat the Cowboys. Now, they they have a problem in the slot in this game. And C.D. Lamb has done most of his damage in the slot. They still have not been able to figure out, even though they've got the, both their starting corners back, neither of them who played that great last week. And you got Byard in there who should help with another week under his belt. But C.D. Lamb in the slot is just, to me, a mismatch for the Eagles. So we will see what happens. I don't like the Eagles to win this game. I apologize to the Eagle fans who think I'm a traitor. I call it the way I see it. I don't like it. Darren? Eagles 30, Dallas 20. I think the Eagles win the game. Whoa! Scored you got a romp! I don't want to say it's a romp. I think it's a late... Well, ten, what are you talking about? I, 10 points is a romp! Let me finish. I think there's a late score to put them up two scores okay. to win the game. All right. So they, a close they game control the ball. They, they spring swift for maybe like a 17-yard touchdown to close it out. There you go. I like it. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right, there you go. Dallas and the Eagles. It is Dallas week. The fanfare has been kind of down, though. I, I have to admit, I haven't seen a lot of fury for, for this game coming up. But maybe it's unusual. Maybe people are taking my point of view. Like, you know what? We give this rivalry too much credit because that feeds into the Dallas ego. So we will see yeah, it doesn't on have Sunday. It doesn't have to be You're right. You're right about the rivalry itself. So, But here's the thing. If you look at the division, the Giants are brutal. I know Dallas is completely – they've been an irrelevant franchise in this league for decades. And you're right. Absolutely right. They really shouldn't be the bitter rival. Who's the rival of the Eagles? Is it the Niners? They're not even in our division. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah no, I listen, if the Eagles lose the game, I still you – know, to me, it doesn't take away the fact – that I still think they're the best team in the NFC. They're, they're going to lose one of these games to Dallas. I just don't think the climate is right to beat them right now with the quarterback hobbling. So uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Uh, okay, let's, let's go to the Sixers. We haven't talked a lot about the Sixers, and they are off to a pretty good start uh, as they, they win another game last night, 114-99 to over the Raptors. Now, they're 3-1, but let, let's, be, let's be realistic about this. They have beaten... Uh, they lost to the Bucs in a game that they maybe should have won. Uh, they beat the Raptors, the Trailblazers, and the Raptors. Um, how should we take that? They're 3-1. People are semi-optimistic. The Harden thing is behind them, and we'll talk about that in a second. 
The Kelly Oubre is playing, uh, in my mind, beyond his capabilities, but they haven't beaten anybody. So are they good or not, Darren? I here's what well, I think they're good. They here's what I like. Here's what I like that I'm seeing. I'm not seeing fourth quarter collapses. I'm not seeing them completely fall apart in the fourth quarter. That's nice. That reliability that the game could just the wheels could come off at any point in the last 12 minutes of the game. You know, it's more reassuring watching them. I think they're playing well, but it's, you know, it's a week into the season. You got some young guys that are playing with fire. I like it, but I think it's a little too early to see if they're, to say if they're good or not. Uh, okay. They play the Suns tomorrow uh, at the uh, Wells Fargo Center, which will be the Suns are not playing well. In fact, they got beat again by the Trailblazers. Wimbayana yeah. schooled them last night with 38. <laughs> That's two losses to the Trailblazers. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what the Suns are at this point, but that'll really be the Sixers' first test. I mean, let, let's be, let's be fair about this. Yeah. They lost to the Bucs, and the Boxers, they're now really struggling because uh, they don't defend. Uh, and the Raptors, Trailblazers, and, and the Raptors, to me, is, is not something you, you wear a gold chain over, but we'll see how good they are. Now, there are a lot of people that think that the Harden thing being gone energizes the Sixers, that the role players that they have gotten in the trade energize the Sixers and plays into the hand of Nick Nurse, who plays a lot of uh, players. He played Furkan Korkmaz last night and squeezed 10 points out of him. Uh, and now these other guys who, who have not yet played will be able to be indoctrinated in the system. And, and so a team that's headed by Maxi and Embiid and role players, um, are they good enough to be in the uh, echelon of Boston and Milwaukee? I say absolutely not. And so we will see if it come December, they can ma make a trade for another significant player. And then you can check in with me. And at that point, I will have a feeling on whether they can contend with Boston or, or Milwaukee. But right now, I have no frame of reference because they really – have not played anybody. All right, let's uh, let's go to the Harden situation. Um, okay, they. <laughs> I have to laugh because he had his he had his press conference yesterday, uh, and this is more of a discussion, philosophical discussion of how NBA stars think of themselves. The sport itself, the league itself, has allowed star players in this league to believe they are much bigger than anything including the league and maybe even God. When you make that kind of money and the, the collective bargaining agreement has allowed them to make that kind of money and you're sitting there and you're making 60 million a year, do you have any tolerance for anything? Do you have any way to self-evaluate? The answer to that is absolutely not. And exhibit A is James Harden. Yesterday in his press conference, he said the Sixers... He could not show his true self with the Sixers, that um, the system uh, shackled him. He said, and I quote, I am not a systems player. I am a system. <laughs> I just sit here and I go, oh, my God in heaven. This man has no self-evaluation whatsoever. And why should he? Because no everybody in the league has catered to him. Yeah. He's gotten everything that he's wanted, including money. He lamented the fact that he gave up $26 million to play with the Sixers that last year when the man has made about $400 million in his NBA career. As if we're supposed to say, oh, poor James. 
The man has not looked within himself. And I can point to so many players in the NBA, Ben Simmons being an exhibit B, that can't look within themselves and say, you know what, I'm 34 years old. The fact that I'm making this kind of money, I snicker at it. But I can't say that I am not a systems player. I am a system. You are no longer a system. Maybe you were a system way back with the Houston Rockets. You are no longer a system. And as long as he has no self-evaluation, the same thing is going to happen over and over until he's out of the league. Now, what do you think is going to happen with the Los Angeles Clippers if that's the way he feels about himself and he's got three other guys who think the same thing? It is stunning to me the lack of awareness that NBA star players have about their abilities. They have no face. They look in a the mirror, they see nothing. You can't have a face and say those things and look at yourself in the mirror. It is uncomfortable. But he believes it. That's the thing about NBA players. They they believe this stuff, what they're saying. Uh, and it is like, and the listen, the league decided long ago. We survive by marketing our players, and they have done a fabulous job. But in doing so, they have created monsters, monsters who who say, I'm bigger than anything on earth, and I can do whatever I want. It is just stunning to me what's going on in the NBA. That being said, I'm entertained by it. I watch it. I love the NBA. I love the athleticism. I can watch it any day of the week. But when I look at a guy like Harden with a straight face, says, I am not a system player. I am a system. I, I go, oh, my God. I, I just, I am like stunned beyond belief. Okay. So, hey, Jimmy, Godspeed. Good <laughs> good luck to you in Los Angeles. Russell Westbrook looked like he wanted to tear your face off when you went to that locker room yesterday when they had the video of it. But this is going to go swimmingly. Good luck to you out there. All right. Jimmy H. Uh, <laughs> by the way. By the way, the uh, general manager of the Los Angeles Clippers, who is Lawrence Frank, started as a a uh, manager for the Indiana basketball team under Bob Knight, which we will get to in a second, in Mike Unleashed. Okay. Uh, the NBA has the in-season tournament coming up. So the Sixers start the in-season tournament at Detroit on Friday. And these games are considered the, the in-league NBA, uh, NBA tournament, just like they do in soccer. So... The Sixers will play Friday at Detroit, and then a regular season game on Saturday here. And then on Tuesday, they play the Pacers as part uh, of an in-season tournament. And then they go on the road to Atlanta in-season tournament. And then the following Tuesday, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers here. I, I don't understand what this is all about. I, I really don't. And, and I know the NBA is trying to freshen up, and, and the soccer thing has been popular. I don't know if, if American audiences that follow the NBA – are really going to care about this in-season tournament. Now, maybe they can beef it up to the point where there's survivors of each bracket, then they move on to a big setting in Las Vegas, and maybe they'll be excited. I, I just don't get it. When the big prize is the NBA championship, I don't know how you can take a tournament and say this is also important. I, I just I'm, – I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not getting it, uh, and maybe I'm missing the big picture here. If they Aaron, win, are we supposed to be excited? Are we supposed to have a parade? Like, I don't even know <laughs> – like what? <laughs> when, who it, cares? It, it's it's supposed to incentivize the players to play hard because they're playing for a big pot of money. Um, 
and in enhance oh, well, when you get to make it you more get the, it's kind of a, if it's a better product in season tournament because these guys have pride and you yeah. listen when they want to play a pickup game they want to win so i get it that they're trying to stoke up their competitiveness for like a mundane part of the season um but i don't know if the fans come along so we'll, we'll just have have to see um okay um one of the things about the sixers that we talked about last week in in making this trade is that they now clear cap space and they can either use these assets well, for this year to get a, a good player or they clear cap space for next year where they can get a free agent. Next year's free agent class is one of the worst that has ever been seen. Yeah, and I, what I want you to do is look at it. Uh, and, yeah, there's a guy that, like Pascal Siakam is a, is a good get. When you look at the rest of the class in the free agency, they're kind of older players that you're that aren't really that uh, appealing. So – uh, my, my thing is like this year is when you got to get Siakam. If the Sixers are able to parlay these assets into getting Siakam, uh, because I think he can, he can, he can play stretch four. Uh, people say, we well, can't play twin tower. He's not really a tower. He plays a lot on the perimeter. Uh, he can play stretch four. Uh, he'll shoot a three. I think that would be the biggest asset they can get. A lot of people are talking about Zach Levine. I don't know about that. I think he's a loser. Uh, but, but in any event, uh, to me, don't look at – and I've been c- concerned about taking the fans through a gap year where they go, okay, well, this year's worthless, but look at all the cap space they're going to have, and they're going to be able to get a good free agent next year. But the free agent class is pretty mundane. So I, I don't know where they go. The better solution to me is you got to use these assets this year after December 15th and make a viable run with this team by adding another good player. Now, we'll see what happens with that. But, again, look – I all you have to do is Google it, free agents 2024, and you'll find it that it's not a great class. Uh, okay. Uh, it is now uh, time to look at the World Series. I'm still, I'm still wounded, okay? Uh, this is not fake drama. I, I watched the Arizona Diamondbacks get taken apart by the Texas Rangers, who aren't that great of a team. I mean, cut. You know, people say, well, the Rangers would beat the Philly. Really? I, I, I don't know about that. I don't think they're that great of a team. Uh, but the Diamondbacks made their way to the World Series, and they lose in five games to Texas. And it, it, it slayed me even worse than watching the Arizona Diamondbacks walk off of this field, Citizens Bank Ballpark, beating the Phillies in game seven with the Phillies losing six and seven. So for the people out there who within three days got over it and said, well, that's okay, you fighting Phils. You'll be back next year. The World Series happens, and that stank team gets run out of there in five games. Now, how does that make you feel about losing games six and seven at home? All right, because it makes me feel like crap. I am stunned that the Phillies didn't play in the World Series. I'm still stunned, and I still say it's the worst loss in Philadelphia sports history, and evidence of that is how lamely that team went out, including Mr. Bishop Eustace. You know, people in Jersey always say to me, I'm Bishop Eustace. I hate Jim Bishop. You know, why? why you well, now I see a little snarkiness with Zach Gallen, who posted the Philly spring training schedule on his Twitter. I said, yeah, well, here's the next chance you go to a game. And that dude, did I don't, did he win a game? I know he had a no hitter going in that game. Did he win a game against the Phillies or the Texas Rangers? I, I, don't, I don't believe, believe they won a game that he started. It did pitch well in game five, uh, World Series, but. Lost. Not. Yeah. Yeah. And the sixth inning got it imploded. Yeah. Or the seventh inning imploded. 
Uh, all right, so I, I just had to get that out of my system. I'm not, I'm not, I'm more angry at the fans who take this lightly. I, I really am. And, and, and listen, I get it. You had a fun season watching the Phillies. But for them to lose like they did, I, I can't get all warm and fuzzy and hug them and have the fanatic blow his little tongue in my ear. All right? I, I, I'm sorry. I can't do it. I'm still pissed about it. All right. That's the current. Thank you very much for indulging me. Now, let's move up. It's called Mike Unleashed. Let's first start with something that we probably should have covered on Monday, and I completely forgot about it because we were so involved in the details of the game. At halftime of this game, Kenny Gainwell, who had not been very successful carrying the football in the first half, goes into the locker room, picks up his cell phone, decides to engage an idiot fan who ripped him by saying he effing sucks. He actually replied to the guy. Halftime of a game where you're losing at halftime and your concern is some goofball who's ripping you on Instagram? And I started to think, you know what? This is a changing world, man. These guys go right to their phone. Now, I'm going to allow for part of this because... If you're a guy, maybe you want to check in and see if your wife has gotten a message or something with the kids, you know, something like that. I am stunned that a player would actually have the audacity to be concerned about social media and someone ripping him. And, and maybe I'm wrong about this, and maybe the world has changed to the point. You want to look at your cell phone? I guess. Go ahead. You want to see what's up with the family or whatever. But to go back and forth with some jackass i mean how did that sit with you darren it was it's unconscionable i i can't even fathom what a tremendous lack of focus for him to have to to do that to look okay i get it yeah you're maybe all right maybe checking with family okay i'll buy that sure it's unbelievable how little focus you have at the halftime of an NFL game. I mean, unbelievable. I was beside myself when I heard that. I well, thought listen, it was the, fake at first. The, I'm like, There's no way he did that. No yeah, way. We, we actually showed it. I mean, we didn't show it for the camera, but we talked about it on our post game show. Yeah. Uh, that, and we had the phone right in front of us. We had his retort and his reply. Uh, and and uh, and Seth Turner was just shaking his head. But, here, but see, here's the thing: um, you can't ban these guys from looking at their cell phone. It's a different day and age, and and you have access to that. You have this text message access, and and you have to allow the guys to check in with their family or whatever. Uh, I don't know that there's any way to police it because as long as you're going to allow them to look at their cell phone, and you can't really ban them from looking at their cell phone. There's no way you can police them if they're gonna. Why can't you work with somebody? Why can't you say during the game? Look, you got a pregnant wife, fine. You got someone home that's sick, fine. An entire football game is three hours. Three hours. You can't do that in the year 2023. Well, you can't, you can't, why can't you? You can't ban players from doing for three stuff like hours. That. Professional players. For this is not three high school. hours, Mike. Come on. Can't do it. 
you cannot do it. If it's not in a collective bargaining agreement, you can't do it. There will be a grievance file. These guys say, I need to check in with my family to see if they're okay. They were sitting in the stands. For 90 minutes, I got to check whatever, in my Whatever it is, you can't prevent them right, from doing what it. If, what Which if Sirianni You can't goes. prevent them from engaging in social media unless you have a cop walking around looking at their cell phones, which you can't do either. Oh, you really can't police it. But what if Sirianni goes to the team and says, look, guys, I think it's a good idea if we ban phones during the course of a game. Up till we go out on the field, fine. When the game's over, you get back in the locker room, fine. Are you guys okay with it? Do you think any player is going to be like, no, man, I need my phone during the game for that three hours? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Because, yeah, of course, because I guys, are saying, hey, listen, I got my my parents flew in. I want to see if they're safe. If they got their tickets, I haven't had a chance to talk to them. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Something yeah. expert, you know. You can't do it. You're fine. You can't do it. I, you can't. I'm telling you. You can't prove I, I that they're not doing it. The focus. Players will not accept that. I would I'm question saying, the focus you, you of any player who didn't accept that. You better look at your calendar, man. This is not the, like, Army or Air Force p- program. All right. <laughs> or the I'm Navy. Saying, these guys All are right. pros. They can do it out their phone for three they hours. Can't, I'm telling you, you cannot police it. Okay. Right, here we go. I'm not saying uh, police the story it. This week, a couple days ago, Bob Knight passed away. Dementia was 83. A funny thing about death is that you always have to praise the person who died, no matter how bad of a person they are. Now, I covered college basketball for many years as a newspaper reporter. Um, Bob Knight was one of the most contemptible human beings that I have ever seen in my life. Now, you can't say that in an obituary type of piece because you have to cite all the things that he did that were great. Yes, he was an innovative coach. Yes, uh, he, he did create libraries at the universities that were yes he did donate to charities blah blah blah. he was a miserable unhappy man who took it out on lesser people which is the worst thing you can do as a human being to bully other people because of your position of power and so i sit here and i go it's yeah okay when when somebody dies i guess it's sad uh but it's inevitable that we're all going to die. So what did you leave? What was your legacy? And in every obituary, the legacy has to include several chapters of him being a cur. He humiliated people. I saw it live in press conferences. Poor little people getting paid $30,000 to be a flack for the NCAA to set up microphones for the people to be interviewed. And this guy is bullying them. He punched a police officer in Puerto Rico and, and, and did not face charges for it. He strangled or tried to one of his players. He threw a chair across the court, a dangerous piece that, that could have hit somebody. And every, every step of the way, he was a bully. I don't I, I'm I'm confused here on, on how we should react with the legacy of a man who was that unhappy with himself that he somehow got satisfaction out of bullying people of, of lesser stature. I'll never understand that. And in college basketball, when I covered it, it happened all the time. And I used to say to myself, my God. All you are is a college basketball coach. You are not God. 
And this guy was the quintessential contemptible human being. And I'm sorry to say that because he's passed on, but it would be disingenuous for me to say, oh, what a great man Bob Knight was and what innovation he brought to basketball. And look at the championships he won. And look at his players who bonded together. Well, naturally, when you play for a bully coach and you win with a bully coach, you're going to look back at him and you're going to say, well, you know what? He was tough, but he taught me a lot about this profession. And the lessons I learned from him, I took on. The one thing I didn't learn was to be an asshole. So there you go. All right. That's my that's my obituary for Mr. Bob Knight. Perfectly said. Well said. All right. Let's move on in Mike Unleashed to rate my tweets. I tweeted up a storm this week, Darren, and uh, we did this uh, a couple podcasts ago where uh, I need you to rate my tweets uh, with a number, and you can say, well, that was out of line, or you can say that was right on. So uh, We're going to go one through five. Five stars to being the best, one star being mm-hmm. putrid. Uh, let me just start with what I tweeted last night. As I'm watching Furkan Korkmaz for the Philadelphia 76ers. Furkan is like backyard autumn leaves. They just never go away. (laughs) Ah, That's a four. I like that. I like a good antidote. Okay. Uh, On the um, tweet or the, the, the pronouncement by James Harden, and I am not a system player. I am a system. My tweet was, uh, used to be a system, he meant to say. Very benign, but very effective, I thought. Um, I, You know, right in the middle, two and a half, you're better than that. It wasn't, it's a, you know, you're usually a little more wit. So I'm going to go two and a half, we'll go three. Yeah. Not bad. I didn't, I didn't want to pile on. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, this, this is a, a non-sports related. <laughs> there was a guy who posted a picture of a woman who... You know, wasn't bodybuilder muscle, but had nice muscle tone and had really good abs. And he tweets the following. Poll, if given the choice, men would not choose a woman who looks like this. And my tweet back to the guy was, speak for yourself, Will. I I saw the picture and I totally I thought she was gorgeous. I like athletic girls. We've talked about this. My wife's an athlete. I'm a fan of the abs. To be honest with you, yeah, and uh, I, I don't, I don't find that unattractive whatsoever, and I don't understand how a man could be threatened by a woman who's got some muscle tone. Well, that's yeah. You know, I love, and, a, I love when a girl has like athlete legs, like a like a soccer player or a softball yeah, player. Of course, one yeah. of the great drops that we used to play when I did a radio show, people reminded me of in Twitter, uh, was that I, I said. Uh, I like a nice, tight, muscular ass. <laughs> is what I, and that happened yes. to be a, a soundbite that we used for many years. Yes, I remember. Uh, on, on the fanatic. Uh, okay. Um, and now I was watching the last inning of the World Series. On Showtime was what? The Godfather. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I remember. And so I tweeted, <laughs> ooh, tough to watch the last inning of a WS when The Godfather is on Showtime and Salazzo at this very second is jamming a knife in Luca's hand while he sipped scotch pre-war. <laughs> I liked it. I'm going to go three. Like that one? <laughs> Only because, mainly because I had the same dilemma. I was like, oh, Godfather. I was going back and forth between Godfather and the World Series. Uh-huh. 
All right. And finally, somebody uh, put a picture of the 17th hole uh, at uh, uh, TPC Sawgrass in Jacksonville, that island hole. Yes. Um, and there was a caption under the picture that said, you have one shot to land on the green. If you land, $1 million. If you miss, one year in prison. My tweet was, well, what's the percentage that an average golfer lands on that green? Hard no to the offer, but I'd love to play it. Oh yeah, I I, I was just I totally agree with you. I, I'm gonna I give you four on that because I thought the same thing. Like the average golfer would need three boxes of balls to get one on that island, and it's pure so you luck. Would not take the million dollars. No, I versus wouldn't. Versus the one year in prison. Yeah, no. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good with money already, so I don't need, I don't need to take that risk. No oh, right. that was Mike Unleashed for today on the Mike Messinelli podcast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. And speaking of Bet Rivers, it's time for our picks of the week. Woo. Uh, well, I tell you, I've been so good in college and not so good in pro. Uh, I'm the so opposite. I'm I only one college game and two pro games this week. Yeah. Uh, brought to us by Bet Rivers. Go to the Bet Rivers app. If you don't have it, it's really easy to download and it's so easy to play. I've been doing it all year, dribs and drabs. I win a couple, I lose one. I win a couple more, I lose two. It's tough. It really is tough to 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 get your, your uh, to be really successful one hundred percent of the time. So let me start this week with a college game that caught my eye line wise. The Texas Longhorns are at home this week. They're really good. Nationally ranked team, playing very well. They're at home against Kansas State. And yet the line Short. is Short. a paltry four. Ooh. Kansas wow. State getting four at Texas tells me one thing. Kansas, Kansas State, all right! <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> all right, let's move on to pros. All right. For pros, I will take two games, kind of uninspiring games, but I'll take them anyway. I actually looked at the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Dolphins are getting a point and a half at Chiefsville. Mm. Boy, that tells me Dolphins. But let me go with two games I think are easier. The Ravens are at home minus six. That's your squad this year. The Seahawks. I will take the Ravenettes. At minus six against the Seahawks, who have to fly all the way across the country to get the lovely Baltimore. I like that. And then I'll take, oh, this is a line that I can't ignore. Yeah. I hate the Saints. But they're eight and a half point favorites against the Bears at home. I'll take the Saints, the Fleur de Lis at minus eight and a half. There you go. You're wearing <laughs> got a Saints shirt on right now. You're wearing your Saints shirt. All right, they're my three. I'll take K-State. Get four, and I think they win it outright. I'll take the Ravens minus six. I'll take the Saints minus eight and a half. Like them. Like all those plays, actually. I have different ones. I bounced back. I had my uh, my only offer week two weeks ago, and I bounced back with a, a good offer, the uh, the lossless offer. I went 2-0 oh, and 1 last week. Um, only had three losing weeks so far on the year, Mike. There's two games I kind of like, but I'm not going to give them as my plays. I kind of like the Rams getting three in Green Bay. Jordan Love stinks. Packers are bad. I think the Rams can win that game. I also like the Eagles a little bit to cover the three. But the two games I like the best 
Um, Washington just gave away their two best players. That's a defeated locker room. They've got to be feeling sorry for themselves. They're traveling to New England where Bill Belichick might be coaching for his job. Do you ever think of that, Mike? Ever think we'd see that? Uh, Patriots are giving three to Washington. I think the Patriots cover that three. And the Raiders, I this is a hold your nose and put your money on the table kind of game. The Raiders fire their coach. And Antonio Pierce is the interim head coach. He's a fiery guy. He's going to have that squad pump. And they're playing his former team, the New York football Giants. Raiders only have to cover one and a half. I like the Raiders at home. So Patriots yeah, minus three, Raiders minus one and a half. And if you want a couple other games to take a look at, I like the Rams plus the three, and I like the Eagles minus well, you, I, three. I you, you have no respect for the Lions telling you something. The Giants at point and a half is such a bargain. I mean, you got to be kidding me. That's only a point and a half? That tells you the Giants win the game. Come on, man. The Raiders are terrible. Yeah, well, that's what you're taking them. I know. The, yeah, how can you take terrible a terrible team? team? I'm playing so why the, should uh, tell you to take the other side? I'm playing the fired coach. Guys playing for their jobs. Yeah. Come on. All right. Uh, by the way, Bill Belichick's going to go to Washington Commanders anyway in a trade, so it doesn't I matter. I heard that. He's That's weird. I, that would be so strange. I don't think he'd want to go there. It's been done before. Traded I know. Just Belichick going to Washington. I don't know. I, I don't think he'd even want to go. I, probably, I think he'd probably retire. No, I think he'd go. Yeah? Yeah, he'd go. Yeah, he can create a new thing. That's the type of guy he is. Uh, all right. Uh, by the way, I just want a tidbit. Last week, uh, did I or did I not suggest that you play Wisconsin over Ohio State because the line was short, 14 and a half? You did. Ohio State won the game by 14. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, three questions for Mikey Miss. Here we go. Let's go. Oh, three questions, Mike. Mike, what is your favorite musical instrument you're hearing a song on the radio one particular instrument you can't say guitar every band's got a guitar i think the east street band has like seven guitarists now so uh, you know you hear like i love a sax if a sax is in a song i'm uh, usually that's a good hook that i'll like what's your favorite musical instrument I, i'm a drum man uh, good answer i i think a drum really man drum is is really disrespected but I think a drum, a good drummer, really makes a song. So uh, I'm going to go drum. I mean, the sax is kind of outdated. Uh, I do like a brass. <laughs> I, I like a trumpet every now and then playing in there. The sax is outdated. And I know because you're Bruce Springsteen, you know. Well, my, no, my, uh, my, my, a couple uh, saxophone Joe, players Joe, in my Joe band. Barrow and Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band. I mean, you're going to send them love notes for crying out loud. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah, yeah, I would go drum. I like the electric drum. I like the sound of the electric drum. I think it makes a big splash in a song. I, I, I agree with you in that the drummer, I think, is the most important part of a band. Uh, and he's very, and they're always disrespected. Couldn't agree with you more there. Uh, Mike, what you've been around college sports your entire career. What's the best atmosphere in college sports? Any sport, any school, what do you think is the best? Best. I mean, is, that a, is that a really a Don't question? say Penn State. Come on. What else am I going to say? Well, was, let's take Penn White State out, off the table because I agree with the, you. You know, we the, were at the, the whiteout. The winning game. part doesn't match the atmosphere of a whiteout, but they're, they're, I mean, listen, you can go with the 12th man, Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. uh, but but they're nothing, football, by the way. Nothing beats the atmosphere of a whiteout game, and everybody right. will tell you the same thing. That's, right. you know, 
Listen, I'm down on the program right now. I saw a guy tweet out the other day the Penn State Bowl possibilities. I saw that. You got a a lot of freaking nerve tweeting that thing out. Oh my God, are you kidding me? And that's the thing about Penn State fans. They're so soft. Oh, we're going to do. Here's the scenarios of bowls. None of them include going to the freaking Final Four. Right. All right. I hear you. All right. Mike, you like to cook. Um, You're a good cook. What are the three essential kitchen tools? Three things you got to have. Not talking foods. Three essential kitchen tools. Have to have them. Well, you have to have a sharp knife, first okay. of all. I mean, a, sh- a sharp knife. Not not a, uh, you know, like one of these knives that uh, that get dull and you keep it dull. You got to continue right. to sharpen your knife. Uh, I, I'm a fan of the tongs. I use tongs a lot. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a fan of the tongs. And um, hmm. I would say uh, I use this more than uh, anything is the food processor. Maria, my wife uses that a lot. I yes, never use the, it. Yeah, food processor has been essential for me. Yeah. So I would go with those three. Knife, tongs, food processor. Those are your three answers for the third question of today's three questions for Mikey Miss. All right. There you go. All right. Let's close it down, folks. Thanks for listening to the Mike Miss and Ellie podcast. We'll have another podcast for you following the game on uh, on Sunday. So we'll uh, we'll see you Monday morning. Uh, and, of course, uh, get get that Bet Rivers app. Bet Rivers app is fantastic. I just gave you three winning plays. Darren gave you three losers. So that would even you out for a week. <laughs> what? The I'm Ra- not sure. He actually had the Ra- He's playing the Raiders this week, for crying out loud. I mean, you got to be out of your mind. Anyway, I, uh, Twitter account, MikeMiss25. And you can email me, Mike, at MikeMiss.com. Everybody have a great day. I'm about to play golf on this frosty fall day. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Tomorrow, today and tomorrow, golf. Meanwhile, my knee is about to fall off and I need surgery. So I I tough it out. That's, that's what I'm all about, folks. All right. Have a great rest of the day. For Darren, I'm Mike Missinelli. You've listened in to the Mike Missinelli podcast, and we'll catch you on Monday. Bye bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.